For those uh, who have just joined us uh, this week online, we have been going through a series of I am statements from Jesus. And most most of these statements are found in the Gospel of John. There are others also found in the book of Revelation as well. Now the name I am is first heard in Exodus 3 where Moses was standing in front of that burning bush. We know the story. And he was asked by God to lead the people out of slavery from Egypt. And Moses was being sent to Pharaoh. And Moses recognized his insignificance to go to Pharaoh. And so he said to God, like, what do I say to Pharaoh about who sent me? What name do I give? Exodus 3, verse 14, God said, I am who I am has sent you. We've heard some statements from the New Testament where Jesus proclaimed, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And today, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We're going to be reading from John 14, verses 1 through 11. And uh, before we do that, let's pray together. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we read from your word, We ask for open hearts and open minds. Again, these are uncertain times, but your word is certain. Your word is truth. Reveal your word to us wherever we are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John 14, verses 1 to 11. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So people, the context of John 14 is surrounded by some major events that are going on in the life of Jesus and the life of the disciples. Preceding this passage, Jesus was given the news of the death of his friend Lazarus. And in John 11.35, we read the shortest verse in the Bible, which I'm sure so many of you have memorized. Jesus wept. Lazarus died, but he was brought back to life by Jesus. But you've got to remember that this bringing Lazarus back to life was only temporary. Death is inevitable for humans. Following the incident with Lazarus, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on his last week before his own death. Jesus, being human, would also face death. Jesus knew that he was to face the cross. 
And in John 12, 27, Jesus himself said these words, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus then comes to the night before the betrayal and his death on the cross. Jesus and his disciples were standing in that upper room, and Jesus was no doubt full of emotions. He was no doubt expressing final words to his disciples with emotions and maybe even his voice quivering a little bit. Jesus had emotions. Emotions are not bad, nor are they necessarily a sin. Perhaps you can picture Jesus talking to his disciples, referring to the disciple Judas, who was going to betray Jesus. Or about the disciple Peter, who is going to deny Jesus. In John 13, 21, John tells the readers that Jesus was troubled in spirit. Again, being troubled is not a sin. Jesus does not and cannot sin. And Jesus always responds according to the will of his Father. So the question becomes then, when we are troubled... When there's times of trouble before us, how do we respond? We'll get to that in a moment. Well, now we come to chapter 14. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room where they had the final supper together. It's a night before the death, his death on the cross. And again, Jesus is troubled. The disciples are troubled. The disciples were asking questions. These were uncertain times. These were times of anxiety. Jesus had turmoil in his life, knowing what his father had planned for him. The disciples had turmoil in their lives, hearing these predictions from Jesus and totally not understanding what was going on. Troubling and uncertain times then, troubling and uncertain times now. What is the response? Well, this led to Jesus making a statement in 14 verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is basically repeated later in in the chapter in verse 27 as well. And then in verse 4, Jesus sets up a statement that likely will again create questions. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Do you notice that when Jesus makes statements, his people so often will still respond with doubts and questions and lack of understanding? Sometimes I I think that Jesus means for that to happen, just to get us questioning him, to get us questioning scripture, to get us thinking about how are we going to respond to God's will? What does God desire of us? So people, the disciples, like each of us, are humans. And so, of course, Jesus' statement here leads to further questions. Thomas, later in Scripture, actually, is referred to as Doubting Thomas. And I'm sure many of us can probably relate to this guy. But Thomas asks, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, again, we call him Doubting Thomas. But really, he's just speaking out loud what everyone else is probably thinking in their minds. We don't know what you're talking about. Actually, so Thomas, he should be called bold or courageous Thomas. But if you're like Thomas, if you're like me, I too want to know where I'm headed when I'm on a journey. 
What roads to take? What cutoffs or turns to make? Looking at Google Maps or ensuring the GPS has the right destination is important. We need to know the route or the path to our journey. So Jesus replied to Thomas's question, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is where you are going. Jesus is the way. He's preparing a place. It talks about in John 14, the earlier part, he prepare, he's preparing all these rooms for his followers. Jesus is making a promise. A promise that his work will continue even after his departure from earth and until he comes again. Now these rooms that are being talked about in this chapter are not being mentioned because they have to be built and, and Jesus talked about building these rooms, but these rooms are mentioned because Jesus is saying that he is the way to these rooms. Follow him and you will make it to your destination. Jesus is the way to the rooms. He is the way to the Father. Our relationship with God became broken with sin. We were set up on a totally different path. But with Jesus being the way to the Father, he has taken all our sins upon him. He's removed all the sins from us. So now we have access to to the Father. And our relationship has been restored by Jesus. Jesus has brought us back to the path of the Father. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus conveys with authority what God desires and what God says. And Jesus obeys the will of his Father in heaven. And the truth is that Jesus gives us hope. He gives us assurance. Jesus gives us a way to the Father. He gives us new life. He gives us salvation. And people of God, that provides us hope. Jesus is the truth. And he is the life. When we follow Jesus as the way, and we see that he is the truth, we will have life. Eternal life. John 20, verse 31. John states the goal of the gospel. But these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus is saying that knowing and following him brings life and fulfillment to people while on earth, even when our hearts might be troubled. And following him also brings life and fulfillment for eternity. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is pointing the disciples and us on the only path. He's pointing us that way. But now this can sound very offensive to many people. David Platt, in a book that he wrote, he's a pastor in the States, and he wrote a book titled Counterculture. And he states in this book, quote, we cannot escape the offense of this gospel. End quote. This statement is offensive. And people will continue to ask, and I quote again from him, are you really saying that there is only one way to God? And Platt goes on to state, if there were a thousand ways to God, we would want a thousand and one. The issue is not how many ways lead to God. The issue is our autonomy before God. And we want to make it our own way. People, that is what sin is. Sin is putting ourselves ahead of God. Sin is trusting our own way more than we trust God's way. 
Sin twists what God says and by making it more pleasing using our own definitions. We all do it. I do it. You do it. Recall the Garden of Eden when the serpent said to Eve, did God really say that you must not eat from that tree? And Eve said, yeah, he he actually did say that. But then it probably got her thinking, but maybe he really didn't mean die when he said die. People of God, sin leads to death. Jesus leads to life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So when we have the tendency to be independent and to go our own way, we have to be intentional. We have to follow Jesus. Follow his way. Depend on Jesus. Surrender. When there is uncertainty in all this brokenness in our world, in our lives, which way will you turn? So Jesus is saying, turn to him. Follow him. Trust him. Again, that goes against all our desires because we want to figure out things ourselves. We want to go our own way. Well, throughout generations, people have been trying to figure out things themselves. And even believers. Throughout generations, works-based religion is so often stressed. I'll do things my way, and I'll even do things my way to get my salvation. People believe that you need to earn your way to Jesus and to salvation. That's the only way to God. Was to have the strongest faith, maybe, or, or to give the most finances, or to serve as best as possible. People of God, doing these things is not the path. Doing these things are a response. They're a response of gratitude and thanksgiving to the path. The way who is Jesus. Now, although there is much good in society, there's also much wrong. Humanity has a natural tendency to fall short. And that being our natural tendency... How could we possibly save and be able to save ourselves? How can we possibly be able to earn our salvation? Well, unless you were declared a saint by the church, you likely can't make your way into heaven. And to be honest, being declared a saint by the church doesn't even cut it. Knowing all this, knowing all this, how can it's enough to stress anybody out? But Jesus says, Turn to him. Jesus says he is the way. Get to know Jesus. And know him through his word. Know him through conversations, through prayer. When someone you know calls out to you and says, hey, buddy, come over this way. You follow that voice. You follow that person. When Jesus says he is the way, get to know him and follow him. When we follow Jesus as the way, we even get to know Jesus more. And when we know Jesus, we also know God. The gospel message then and now emphasizes that it is not our good works that save us. It is good works, but it's the good works of Jesus that save us. It is the basic and simple fact, the simple truth, that Jesus came to earth as one of us. 
That he came to earth to live for us, to suffer for us, to die for us, and to be raised from the dead for us. So that we do not have to die for our sins, because we can't possibly save ourselves. Earlier we said that death was inevitable for humans. But Jesus resurrected from the dead. He conquered death. Jesus lives forever. So thank God for Jesus. Thank God that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What has been going on these past few months with illness and death due to COVID-19, or even illnesses and death that seem out of control in this world, we are left with unanswered questions. And these questions often leave us with very little words to answer. What goes on in this world seems unfair. It's not right. It's rotten. And sometimes we can clearly say it sucks. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's enough to trouble your hearts and create turmoil. But now, how again does Jesus want us to respond we turn back to the words of John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. People, when life is tossing darts at you and you come to the point that you don't know which way to turn, turn your eyes, turn your mind, turn your hearts, turn your life to Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's making things right again even in the midst of sickness and death and struggles. God has his plans to restore this fallen world. The disciples had struggles, they had pain, they had brokenness, and at times felt the hopelessness. And often so do we. The disciples had a bunch of questions. So do we. But Jesus says the only answer that you need to know is to trust in him. Know that He is the way. Know that He is the truth. Know that He is life. So let us turn to Him and continue to depend on Him in the good times and in these challenging times. Amen. Let us pray together. The great I Am, the way, the truth, in the life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you thanks that in times when our hearts seem to be troubled, we can continue to trust in you. That despite all the challenges and changes in this world, you, Lord, and your faithfulness and promises remain certain and unchanged. We praise you and we bless you for who you are and for where you are, for all that you have done for us through your sacrifice, your once and for all sacrifice on the cross. Thank you again for calling us to worship and gathering your people in your name as a church. And Lord, there have been many adjustments and much flexibility. And plans have been revised over and over again. But through it all, may we continue to sense your presence and see the opportunities in your name to continue being the church that you call us to. In our homes and in our families, with friends and neighbors, on the phone and through online opportunities. Lord, we pray for your people, for the unborn children and your kids of all ages, from children to the seniors. We pray for those who are struggling with physical or mental health concerns. We pray for those who are lonely, especially now in times of isolation. 
We pray for those who are hurting or have unreconciled relationships, whether it be with family or friends. We lift up families who are struggling with a spouse's health or a parent's health. We, lift, we pray for those infected with COVID-19. Give strength and healing to your people. Give strength and protection to the many caregivers and medical folks on the front lines. Be with those who are vulnerable. Be with those whose business has been impacted. Be with students who are learning differently and online. And Lord, we pray for the many people around the world who have lost loved ones due to COVID or other reasons. And we lift up these people. Some are near and dear to us as well. Through these difficult, dark times, may we see your light. And may we always seek you and know that you are right there with us. So Lord, continue to give hope to all of your people. Bless the leaders of many organizations and churches and who are making decisions that often change daily. Bless the leaders of uh, municipalities and countries and provinces making decisions. May organizations and governments bring honor to you and bring safety and health to your people. Lord, we ask for your blessing on our communities. May your love and grace fall upon people's hearts as they turn to a relationship with Jesus. Use us for your purposes in this community and beyond. And above all, we thank you for the presence of the Spirit of the living Lord Christ Jesus. We pray that we've sensed your nearness and your presence during this service. And may we do so throughout the week and throughout our lives. Work in us to take what we experience and learn here and to allow it to work in us lives of obedience and faith and trust in you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.